Welcome to the sixth episode of Eastern World 2014 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is the Canadian whose podcasting seems to be based more on testosterone than brain power, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the guy who is especially relieved that nothing can happen to the pot anymore, David Bindley. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mall, etc, etc. <sighs> why did that make us laugh so much last week? I don't know. Or, to be more precise, why did it make you guys laugh so much? I have no idea. It's still making me laugh today. I think it's because we've heard it so many times in the mall over the years that it, uh, it's become redundant for the host to do to say that in his voiceover. And the fact that we incorporate that into the podcast every single week as if somebody's learning the rules of the mall for the first time. Yeah, the fun thing is with Vidim, the different hosts have slightly different versions of that as well. So I made a point of only using the art one because I quite like the art one. It flows nicely in both Dutch and English. The Rick one is a little bit more, it's a little bit less intuitive, the uh, the Rick one. What's funny is that with Art, it, his statement isn't true anymore. Because he says it's 20 questions about the actions and identity of the mole. Whoever knows the least goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. And I'm thinking, well, the mole has gone home once. The mole's gone home twice. Well, but brought back. Yeah. Permanently back home. I mean... Technically, in the Dutch version, the mole did go home and get medivaced in one of the very early celebrity seasons. But we're not touching that one with the barge pole because it's still not confirmed 17 years later or whatever it is now. Oh, they reshot the season for that year? They didn't reshoot it, but the mole, the person who is rumoured to be the mole in that season, went home in like episode three because he got medivaced because he went well. And it's heavily suspected that a, uh, a replacement mole. Uh, was picked on location, and then nobody actually mentioned it. It was a cover-up. It was a Connecticut cover-up. Yeah. And I I feel like we have to deal with the elephant in the room, in that one of the greatest characters in Venom history has sadly gone home in this episode. As much as I wanted to never have to do this episode ever, we have to say goodbye to Alf. Ah, uh, My number one suspect is gone. It's either my number one suspect or my bottom suspect goes home so far. If it makes you feel any better, Alf was my number one suspect for all six episodes, Logan. I think I had her pretty high as well. Alf is such a a delightful character that I think by about week three or four, I was just picking her as my number one in the vain hope that we could have a mole as awesome as her. And the annoying thing is, the actual mole I had second. So if I hadn't talked myself out of it at the start of the season, I would have had a perfect run on this season. But we'll get to that in three weeks' time. I don't understand the episode title. No, five in a row. It's very strange. Do you know what it means? I do. There is a reason for it. Um, I'll probably tell you when we do the reunion. Because it, it's a interesting one. Yeah, there's... There's obviously the challenge this week with the five knobs in a row, and there is a five in a row challenge in a few weeks' time as well that will feed back into this episode title. So previously, the final seven looked for Skunk and Ansi before evading hunters to win money in their last assignment in Hong Kong. Once in the Philippines, a game of Snake was predictably chaotic before everyone answered 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. A manipulation by Sophie saw Frake try and play his exemption, but Tico played his black one to level the playing field, also nullifying the yoker played by Menifer, who knew the least about the mole, and was sent home. And they are still in Lauerg, and Art is on a beach. He asks whether Menifer was kicked out by the mole or the other candidates. 
Perhaps that and other questions will be answered in this episode, as everyone will be given the chance to look into the future. Did you notice the beach he's on is the beach from the second challenge? They're doing the um, look to the future thing as a leitmotif throughout this whole episode. Yeah, as much as this episode is a bit bobbins, especially because Alf goes home, there are some clever production decisions in this. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, all of the glimpses into the future are just next week's challenges as well. I don't Um, think there's anything outside of next week. One of them is from episode eight, the white exemption. Ah, right, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember whether everything from the future challenge was just next week or not. A lot of it is. Although we only see four of them. Yeah, there could have been a clue to the actual mole's identity on the fifth one. Yeah. If, uh, you know, Frake wasn't such a liar. Damn it, Frake. So they're up having breakfast at 6.10am on day 11, as Tico insists on reminding us repeatedly, and he does a parody of Good Morning Vietnam just to wake everyone up like anyone actually wanted to deal with him at 10 past 6 in the morning. And something interesting I did spot from this breakfast scene was the fact that Tico has cigarettes on the table. Well, cigarettes are so cheap in the Philippines, I'm not surprised. Yeah, but I I don't think we've seen anyone actually smoke on the mall for a long while, or even there be a hint of it. Well, because I think in a lot of, I think in Canadian media, you can't show people uh, smoking as much because then you're promoting smoking. But if it's Tigo smoking, maybe it, it helps people say, oh man, Tigo smoking? I don't want to be like, I don't want to end up like that guy. So maybe that's why they showed it. It's like an anti-smoking ad by showing Tigo smoke. Yeah, Tico is basically the human form of those disgusting adverts you see on the backs of packets of cigarettes, encouraging you not to smoke. Black exemptions give you lung cancer. Yeah, it's a carcinogen. Uh, You know what's a bigger drag than the drag that Tigo just took off of that cigarette? You, ending up like Tigo, by smoking that cigarette too. Tico says just say no. (laughs) Tigo just says no, motherfuckers. So Sophie tells us that the male-female balance is equal again. The relationships have changed again, though, as everyone is starting to think about who will make the finale and who could potentially be the mole. And then we cut to the first challenge of the episode. Which we're is we're not going to talk about Jan Willem's penthouse shirt? I think I think that was one of Tigo's shirts. I'm, I'm surprised Tigo still didn't have an envelope stuffed the penthouse shirt in there and sent it to Ellis Island. Hmm. Because I know Tigo had one of those shirts with like the fake boobs on it last week. I, I feel like it's the sort of thing he would have just done. He would have just grabbed like three or four shirts like that and just made sure to wear one every week just to be a dick. See, the thing is, if we wrote a parody of this season, we probably would write something like Tico wearing an offensive shirt every week. Oh, yeah. And yet he does this. Like, he just leans into every sort of negative stereotype we have of him. So Art offers them six envelopes and they each get to pick just one. Jan Willem picks the first one, which asks him if he wants to earn three yokers. If he does, he needs to act like nothing has changed and hand the card over to Arts. Sophie's doesn't have the three yoker bit in and just says pretend like nothing's going on. Tico also picks the three yoker card because of course he does. And then everyone else just gets the pretend nothing's going on card. And I have to say, the division in this challenge is incredibly stark. Because as I said to you guys before we started recording, the banner this week is of the four people who I would have preferred to be the final four of this season i.e. not Jan Willem and Tico. Instead, we get the wonderful laugh, Sophie, who takes absolutely no prisoners, Susan, who's awesome, and also Freak, who gives maybe the best reactions of anyone in the season. And sadly, one of those has to go. Yeah. 
they don't get a shot at the Yokers. So they're all then sequestered with no information. Arf and Sophie get dropped off awaiting a procession for All Saints and also a beauty pageant. Both they and Susan and Frake are told that their fellow candidates could win up to six Yokers today, and they have to recognise them to stop them winning them. If they do, they'll earn money for the pot, and nobody will win any Yokers. And I know you love this challenge, Bindles. I do. I, I just wish every single person hadn't come up with immediately come up with a strategy of look for the tall people. This is another one of those challenges where there's absolutely nothing to say about it apart from Jan Willem and Tico getting absolutely schooled by everyone else. And it's only because Susan and Frank don't spot Jan Willem at the end that anything other than the full money is won in this challenge. Tico was so obvious to spot. It was drastically taller than everybody else there, because yes, Filipino people tend to be a lot shorter, so Tigo's going to really stand out when he's in a standing position the whole time around other people who are standing. So that's one way he made himself really easy to spot. And his technique of playing the trumpet was drastically different than everyone else around who was more uh, in a festive mood and a more relaxed mood while Tigo was very intense on that trumpet as if he was in a Lubega music video and the outfit and he was the only one that really tilted his hat to try and conceal his eyes as much as possible which is another way that made him stand out not to mention he was in the center of the road so he did four things to make himself easily identifiable I absolutely adore that producers knew exactly what was going to happen here and didn't care and just wanted to humiliate Tico a little bit. Because he had to walk four kilometres in that parade to win absolutely nothing. Well, he does get one yoker out of it eventually. Yeah, but he earns absolutely nothing other than the humiliation of knowing that Sophie and Arthur are onto him, and also knowing that Susan and Freyka. He just looks humiliated, and... It's a subtle edit, especially in this episode, that the editors really don't like Tico, and you can tell it. They they constantly do things to undermine him in this episode. The one good thing about Tigo playing the trumpet is that it's the only time he doesn't talk because he has something in his mouth the whole time. And that's never stopped me from talking. Yeah, but the, the difference between Tico being front and centre, pretending to play a trumpet, and a good foot taller than anyone else in the crowd, and then Jan Willem being able to hide next to a float, but on the opposite side than people are actually looking. And crouch. Yeah, it was blatantly obvious who was going to do better at this challenge out of the two of them. I don't know that I would have seen Jan Willem from if I was in Arf and Sophie's position there, except for the fact that there was a camera on him. Yeah, Sophie was really good at spotting them. This is another example of Sophie being very laser-focused and just not taking any prisoners. She knew exactly what she was looking for, and she went directly for Jan Willem on that. Because even at the end of the challenge, Art says, "Sorry, uh, Susan Freak, you didn't notice. You didn't notice Jan Willem." Arthur and Sophie immediately jump in, saying, "Don't feel bad that you didn't spot Jan Willem because he was very, very concealed, and that they or that Sophie barely spotted him." It wasn't like, "How did you not see him?" It was well, it was pretty much a nine point five out of ten difficulty. Jan Willem did a pretty brilliant job here. Yeah, the only way to see him was to watch as the float went away and just see him crouch behind it. Yeah, and that's if somebody isn't behind him helping push the float. It was incredibly difficult to spot him, which makes it all the funnier that they absolutely shanked Tico by making him front and centre of the parade. 
and then having to, you know, walk four kilometers in the heat and the humidity and pretending to play the trumpet on the off chance that nobody had spotted him. Who do you think would have fit in best in that position? Sophie. I can say that. She's the shortest, right? Yeah, Sophie's the smallest, but also, you know, she could probably actually blend in if there wasn't enough light on her, which there wasn't in uh, in Jan Willem's case, I think. There wasn't a lot of light with Jan Willem's flow either, which helped. Sophie's blonde hair would make her stick out a bit, though, because Filipino people don't really have blonde hair. No, she could definitely have hidden behind the flow, though, is what I'm saying. She would have had the best chance of the six of them, I reckon. Yeah, as long as they can't see her strands of blonde hair when they're looking behind the float. Yeah, she could have also worn a hat or a scarf or something. What Tigo should have done is just be underneath the float and try to hang on to the structure underneath for four kilometers. You just want Tico to get mown down by a float, don't you? Yes. It'd be like Sideshow Bob in The Simpsons. Oh, why is the parade today? Oh, no, not the elephant. Just four kilometers of wrecks. <laughs> oh no, this parade seems to have taken a detour. It's now going over glass. <laughs> Who directed it over some hot coals? What type of festival is this for All Saints Day? So yeah, obviously everyone spots Tico and Frank and Susan miss Jan Willem because it's not entirely obvious that he's there. And Art then confirms to them afterwards that there were two candidates hidden in the parade. And, of course, Alf and Sophie correctly identify both of them. They thought that they had to find all four of the others, though. Susan and Freke identify Tico, but mistakenly identify Alf in a half-hearted attempt to guess the second person. And then when everyone reunites, Art confirms that Jan Willen wasn't spotted, so he wins three yokers. But Tico was, earning them 1,250 euros of 2,500 for the challenge. I will say, you know, as much as it's kind of a nothing challenge... It's one of the rare instances of a we aren't going to tell them all the rules challenge that kind of works because it's at least cultural and fun and all that sort of stuff, even if it's not a good structurally. And I don't think it was entirely unfair for them to not tell them all the rules on this challenge. They maybe should have told them there were two people rather than four, but I don't think it was as unfair as some examples we've seen of this sort of a challenge where they don't tell them anything. Yeah. It wasn't like far. It wasn't very far-reaching as to what they needed to do. They had a pretty good idea of what the challenge was going to be. It's not like other Vidim challenges we've seen, where let's say they watch a parade play and then art gathers them and says, "Oh, uh, how many people were standing on the roof behind you, and how many of them were contestants?" I mean, my favorite, if you can call it that, example of it is the the stupid briefcase challenge in Renaissance. I was about to say you are going to bring up the briefcase. <laughs> because that was obviously bullshit. And the annoying thing is, Logan still hasn't seen the end of that challenge because it features at least one mole who he still hasn't seen at this point. Oh, wow. I can remember two of the three moles who were there and at least one of them Logan hasn't seen yet. So we can't even finish that challenge properly yet. I think it's the El Salvador and Nicaragua one who's there. Yes. Oh, you mean... No, just kidding. <laughs> I think it's Mexico, El Salvador, and Nicaragua, and then one that Logan has seen, and I can't remember who the third one was. Uh, third one, I think, was Dominican Republic. Oh, so all three. Yeah, so you haven't seen any of those, but the third one, I mean, you know by episode two of that season anyway. 
Uh, so Susan has the last envelope to post, and they decide to post the entire remaining pot, all 1,750 euros of it, and she writes Frake's name on it. They are relieved that nothing can happen to the pot anymore. And what could possibly go wrong? And as we said last episode, anytime you hear a quote anything like that, you go, something's going to go wrong with the pot then. But that basically ends the posting stuff to Ellis Island twist for two episodes. We don't get anything about posting to Ellis Island for the next two episodes now. What's funny with Jan Willem during the challenge is that he's wearing the traditional Filipino formal shirt that's just notorious for being really itchy. I only had to wear it once at a gala when Gian got her award in India where I had to wear that shirt. I'm thinking I'm just surprised he wasn't constantly itching his shirt for the whole four kilometers. He probably was, we just didn't see it. (laughs) They got the one-tenth of a kilometer where he didn't. (laughs) So it is day 12 in Pauai, and they are taken to the beach. They see three jeeps awaiting them, and all look forward to the big adrenaline assignment. This is not a big adrenaline assignment. It is not. It is dragging pieces of a boat through a sand (laughs) dune. Why was that Pulp Fiction intro theme that Mr. Lu song. Why was that playing? I think just to make it sound more exciting. I have the exact same notes. <laughs> Me too. They're better off playing the Black Eyed Peas version. So Art tells them to make three pairs, each of which should have someone who has a driving license. The pairs are Arf and Susan, Tico and Sophie, and Jan, Willem and Frake. They have an hour to find three pieces of a shipwreck spread out over the dunes and piece it back together at the spot marked by a rudder to earn money for the pot. Sophie says that driving a jeep unleashes the little boy in her, which I did deliberately avoid making anyone's intro because I thought it was a bit too far. And then we get the relationship between Arf and Susan, because Arf says that Susan is a good driver, not that it's a surprise. She can multitask, and Arf is happy to have her life in Susan's hands. Oh god, poor Arf. Poor Susan. And I believe Arf, when they're in the in the jeep there, where she says, oh, I see an erect thing. I think that's a piece. No, it's just Tigo. It's just Tigo. He has really taken to the locals. Or he's just looking at his pento shirt all alone. It's Tico thinking of the misogynistic angle that two women can't pull a piece of boat. It just makes him erect. A boater. Oh god, here we go. There's always a filler challenge at about this point in a bitum season, and I think this is the filleriest challenge of all. That's the Filipino-iest. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You've asked for it. So Susan and Arf spot the erect first piece in the distance, and obviously Arf is chaotic on the walkie-talkie trying to describe where it is. And they decide to just wait for Tico and Sophie as it's in their area. Sophie questions in confessional why they didn't just take it themselves. It makes absolutely no sense. And then Jan, Willem and Frake also find their piece of the boat with 41 minutes and 30 seconds left on the clock. And they tie their piece up. And someone you don't want to trust with your life would be Jan Willem, because he crashes the car. Or destroys the car. He somehow manages to get it from 4x4 into two-wheel drive. Which is actually very difficult for him to do. He is at least good at tying the boat to the thing, so as long as you've got a safe word, you'll be fine. And we have also skipped over maybe the funniest bit of this challenge for me, which is the entire Arf and Susan trying to find a piece of boat thing, because (laughs) they decide to take it. And then we get the back and forth between whether they are actually strong enough to tie a piece of boat to their jeep. 
But they specifically say that Tico said that women can't tie things up. They out and out say that Tico is a misogynist in this challenge. I love that basically nobody has any time for Tico anymore. No, especially as this comes immediately after Tico mansplaining how to drive a car to Sophie and her going, I can drive, you know. Like, they absolutely bury him in this challenge. But they don't know how to drive perfectly, given that Susan does hit a fishing line with the Jeep. No, she hits a fisherman's house. Get it right. <laughs> yeah, that's how Tico and Sophie understood it. Because Susan seems to be under the impression that that Filipino fishermen live in lines. Yeah, they must be tiny. That parade team really was impossible. Yeah. He <laughs> lives inside of a rope. I'm just going to coil myself to sleep. But I had completely forgotten that Susan tries to break a fishing line here and annoy the locals. Do you think production would, after this task is over, step in? Because generally, with reality shows, they try to leave the impression of wherever you go to film, you try to leave it in a better place than, than how you find it. Especially if it's a really really impoverished and poor area, and they're definitely in a pretty poor area of the Philippines. So after demolishing this fisherman's fishing line, where it's he's not getting a whole lot out of this job, I wonder if production stepped in to try and help him out, or if it's just, nope, sorry, your fishing line is destroyed, you're not going to eat for the next few days, good luck to you. Well, Susan does say the line wasn't broken. Oh, how does she know? But I suspect the production would have stepped in and just um, allayed his fears a little bit if the line was broken. How many actresses and dancers go fishing in Amsterdam? I don't think they would have been particularly irresponsible with this, put it that way. Vidim has not got a terrible reputation when it comes to local areas. Not unlike certain shows. It's not like uh, Survivor with the Cook Islands? Yeah, it's, it's not like Survivor with the Cook Islands or with Colby taking a piece of the Great Barrier Reef and getting himself <laughs> yeah. a $10,000 fine. The one exception is Albanian rug merchants. <laughs> yeah. But Vidim doesn't have a reputation of being basically destructive with the environments, compared to certain shows at least. I would be very surprised if production didn't step in in some capacity and just allay this guy's fears, if nothing else. So the hardest bit of the challenge seems to be just finding the rudder where they have to build the boats. Frake said he got the feeling that Jan Willem was driving more based on testosterone than brain power, and as a result, Jan Willem stalls the jeep. Then we get Susan hitting the fishing line, and Tico and Sophie mishearing the warning as them destroying a fisherman's house. Tico and Sophie then find the rudder. Tico then, of course, needing to be his action hero archetype, goes to find Jan Willem and Frake's piece, and also gets his jeep stuck. He claims to have good jeep technique, but evidence suggests he does not, and they just abandoned the other jeep. Arf asks whether the rudder is meant to attach to the side of the boat, and of course, people just go, no Arf, you're an idiot. And Art returns and tells them they did it well within the time, so they earn two and a half thousand euros for the challenge. And that leaves them with 3,750 of 5,000 for the episode, and 11,200 of 32,750 for the season so far, 8,700 of which has been sent to Ellis Island. Is this the most money they earned for a single episode? I can't think of them earning any more than that unless Ellis Island is a massive amount. I can't remember how much that is. Why are they so obsessed with it always being worth 2,500 euros? I can't think of another season where it's always 2,500 every single time. 
I think it's because it's just a nice, easy number with the notes they have. I think before this, they were doing either 2,000 or 3,000 every challenge. And then because of budget cuts, it became 2,000 or 2,500. And then from next season, it's about 1,000 or 1,500. Yeah, and this is despite the fact that we're about one or two seasons away from them changing nights to the busiest night of the week and going to Saturdays. I think that's season 16 onwards, inexplicably. And they could have earned an extra 24,500 euros from Ellis Island with interest. We then get Tico and Jan Willem having a chat on the beach. They assume that if one of them wasn't spotted, they would both win the Yokers regardless. And Jan Willem offers Tico a Yoker. And Tico, needing to kick someone when he's down, doesn't see Jan Willem as his partner in crime. And he is playing the game all the way. I think it should be known that I believe Tigo is drinking a Red Horse beer, which is a really popular and strong beer in the Philippines. Yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a notorious beer in the Philippines. Jan's sisters always offer that to me when I was there, and I'm like, and after after about one or two of them, I would have to stop saying nope, I can't do it, and they'd say no, you don't want to ride the horse. No, I do not want to ride the red horse. Grab a cowboy. Where? I mean, Drunk Saunders is best Saunders. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Drunk Saunders is very entertaining. <laughs> you should be having Red Horse more. My liver says otherwise. So they are then taken to the City of Remedios Heritage Village for the final challenge of the episode. Art tells them they will be looking into the future, but begin by looking back. Each of them will be asked two questions from the previous episode's test, and they should be willing to share information if they want an advantage. Freak is the first person asked, and he is asked how many people the mole was with in the snake challenge, and he says two. He's then asked who the mole is and refuses to share, and calls out Susan, who he doesn't suspect at all. Art then leads him to the church, but tells him he's not allowed to enter, as he shared nothing, he gets nothing from this challenge. This is the closest we get to a Meet the Mole challenge in this season, and I am on record as obviously loving Meet the Mole challenges. It's a very interesting one, but it is ultimately filler this. Yeah, there's no cash anywhere in here. There's no jokers, there's no exemptions, there's basically nothing. There's images of, of Hild and uh, Rice Jallings and Yorkers. The only thing that I think it does actually give an advantage is when we see the wind farm, it actually does show them where the money is for that challenge, which makes that challenge significantly easier for them, if they pay attention. That's the only one where I can think of it actually really helping them. I think maybe the fingerprint might have helped if the, if the person who saw the fingerprint ended up in the right position, but Arf sees that one and she goes home, so completely useless. So on the subject of Arf, she is second. She's asked if the mole's boat was shot in the speedboat challenge and wants to answer honestly, but forgets what she said. She also has a problem with who the mole was, as she spreads a lot, and she says Sophie. She's allowed to enter the church and turn one knob and one knob only. She asks why only one. And Art completely and utterly stonewalls her and just shrugs at her, which is delightful. Was anybody allowed to turn two knobs in this challenge if uh, they had answered both questions right? Or was it always just going to be one knob, no matter what? I think two, and I think everyone lied about who they thought the mole was. Yeah, I don't see why, for any advantage, you would tell people who you're suspecting at the moment, truthfully. Obviously, if you know a challenge like this is coming up, maybe you throw that question in and lie, but... I don't think anyone was ever going to tell the truth about who they actually suspected here. And when she turns a knob, she sees a glimpse of a future challenge with a quarter of a fingerprint and some horses in a field. And Arf being brilliantly dry, she says now she definitely knows who the mole is. 
God, I love when Arf is a pain. Yeah, even if Arf didn't go in this episode, this is a tour de force performance from Arf because we get something brilliant from her throughout the entire episode. Even if it's just dry comments like, oh, now I definitely know who the mom is. Or her discussion with Art when she gets executed. Like, that's just pure, delightful stuff. And I'm skipping ahead to the end of the episode. It is a crime that Arf did not get invited back for Renaissance. Yes, it is. Who could she have replaced? Who were the women from Renaissance we had? Tina, Peggy, Nadia, Nikki, and Ellie. Well, she could have replaced anybody other than Ellie, I would say. Well, Nikki was always going to return because of the circumstances of her departure. And Nikki was huge at the time. Oh, and she's yeah, yeah the most popular contestant they've ever had. I guess one of the other three women then. Like, Nikki was in line to host Eurovision that year because the Netherlands won the year before, and they basically had to hold off on the host announcement because she was busy filming Renaissance. And she did actually get upgraded in the hosting. She was originally just going to do the green room behind the scenes online stuff, and then she actually got upgraded to a proper presenter when they did do it in 2021 because of her popularity. So Nikki would have been off the table. It probably would have been Tina who they would have replaced, being perfectly honest. But it also would have meant that we didn't have to deal with Tika, which would have been delightful. Yeah, the only other person they really could have got rid of is Peggy, and I think they wanted somebody from that far back. Yeah, they definitely wanted old school people, which is great, because I am appreciative of that. But we were robbed of half not coming back. If they do another Renaissance-style season, she better be a lock for it. She better get a call, if nothing else. Just imagine her and Emanuela interacting. That's all I need to say. Those two together would be chaos. That would be quite the cartel. And Alf would actually have a chance at being the oldest woman on the cast then, rather than being 37 or whatever she was here. So Tico is third. He says the mole is a woman and that it's Alf. He's not suspicious of her at all, really. He can turn one knob, which is deeply inappropriate, because he is one. <coughs> he says he's going completely by gut instinct in this game and picks the middle knob. It's a glimpse of some horse-drawn carriages and a tapito alongside a green exemption. Jan Willem is then asked whether the mole has a good sense of direction, and he says no. Everyone wants to see the future, but no one wants to sell the truth. He says the mole is Menifer, and gets one knob as a result. He gets to see the wind farm and a long ladder and money lying on top of the rightmost windmill. He says he was hoping to see a clue to the mole's identity. Susan is then asked if the mole had a knife for detail in the Tiantan Buddha challenge, and she says no. She says the mole is Tico. He is the most unreliable, weirdest candidate, and she hesitated because she may have picked Sophie. Her one knob shows her taxis, a transparency exemption, and a wanted poster. Speaking of an eye for detail, did you notice how when they showed the close-up of the money, it was like still the China money? They didn't make separate notes for the Philippines? I didn't, no. Hmm. Being perfectly honest, unless the cash is really interesting or terrible like China's ones, I don't tend to notice it that much. Yeah. If it's something like the terrible parodies of the American money in uh, in Oregon, then I pay attention to it, because that's quite interesting. Uh, so Sophie is the last one to answer. She says the mole has children, and that it's Tico, and he asks how she knows he has children. He's like, can you tell me their names, please? <laughs> Tico having kids is a terrifying proposition. It was probably through donate sperm donor, I would assume. Was it consensual? Uh, I guess, like, Cup wasn't in a position to say yeah, so I guess I'm going to guess no. Presumably Tico has been talking quite a lot behind the scenes about how he fucks around and that he hasn't managed to get anyone pregnant. 
I assume plan B is always in effect. And here are my twins, Chlamydia and Gonorrhea. And my daughter, Syphilis. And my youngest, Claptrap. So, talking of Tico, she gets one knob and turns the same one as Jan Willem, the Wind Farm one. I know what Tigo's favourite Pokemon is. Krabby. Oh god, we've reached that, that point of sleep deprivation in this season. It's only taken six episodes. <laughs> Fun times. So Art reunites them and says some of them have had a glimpse into the future, but whether they are part of that future is up to them. It is time to prepare for test and execution. So it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Jan Willem has two yokers and Tico has one. Freak says he's still hedging his bets. He's including Sophie in his list as well as Tico and Arf. Sophie's top three from the very beginning are still in. Arf, Tico and Susan. It's now time to raise the stakes and narrow it down to just two people, which is Tico and Susan. Jan Willem's moles have had the kiss of death all season. He started with Maurice, then Owen, then Daphne and Menifer. If he used common sense, he would pick off. She hardly makes any money, and he's just a bit weird. She finds everything hard, but she's a smart woman, and he plays his two yokers. Arf has no clue who everyone suspects. She thinks that people suspect Jan Willem, Susan, and herself, which leaves just the other three. She doesn't think Jan Willem is at risk because of the yokers, leaving her and Susan as the most vulnerable people this test. Tico says that it's Susan with maybe a bit of Sophie, one big mole and one little, Susan says that it's still Sophie, then Tika. Freak and Jan Willem are not the mole. Art says there are no exemptions, green or black this time. If you do the worst on this test, you will be the fifth person to leave the game. At least the person who is going home will have made it halfway through the season. Jan Willem, the man with all the yokers, gets a green screen, as do Tico and Freak, leaving just the women. And we have one final Tico is a misogynist comment, as Sophie quite audibly says that Tico gets his way because a woman will be leaving the game. I guess that's why they're so fixated on the gender split throughout the season, because Tigo is the one who is the most obsessive about it. I did notice Jan Willem basically praying while Freak was waiting for his test results, and I'm like, I don't think those two really interacted that much. Out of all the pairings, yeah, they have the least amount of overlap. Jan Willem nearly has his eyes pop out of his head when he's told he is safe. I think that's just his resting face. That was so close to being the banner this week. I'm so happy Arf didn't have to describe Jan Willem because he would, she would have described his eyes as gross. <laughs> his eyes are like Skunk and Nancy. I mean, if this episode was going to focus on a particular pair of people, Jan Willem and Tika would not have been the pair I would have chosen. Give me an entire hour of Arf and Susan interacting. Yes, please. Give me an entire hour of... Arf, Susan, Sophie, and Freak interacting. Yes, please. Yes, please. The other two, not so much. I, I don't mind Young Willem that much, but with Tigo there, it's too much. Yeah, Tico is a bad influence on him. I don't mind Young Willem in a vacuum, but when he's interacting with Tico, Tico rubs off on him in the wrong way. And he is definitely not the first person in Tico's life that Tico has rubbed off on in the wrong way. Hence, Sophie's comment about him maybe having children. So Susan then gets a green screen, as does Sophie, sending our fallen angel Arf home. It's not that often they show every single test result, just just to give us more time with the person who's going home. No, I think the editors absolutely loved Arf as much as we do. Especially not this early in the season. Like, usually if it happens, it's going to happen at, like, Final Four. But I can't think of any other time they've got basically gone through six test results. 
and also gone through all the guys first, just so they can have Sophie's comment about Tico hating women. Yeah. So she says it had to end somewhere. Susan says it's really tough. She got very fond of Arf. Frake said she was a really nice person. She had a very different character to everyone else, and she made the group very diverse. She tells Art that she was never 100% sure, so she always expected to get a red screen at some point. It has been so much fun for her to play a silly game with a group of adults. Art does his usual thing of telling her that she was a great candidate, and she responds for the first time ever that he was a great host. You could tell Art was a little bit touched by that. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Art is a great host. I've made no secret of the fact that Art is a wonderful host. But it's just hilarious to have our final memory of Art being, actually, Art, you're great too. You never hear it enough. Yeah, overall, it's great that the contestants and Art gave her a great sending off. Yeah. I'm still, eight years later, gutted that she went home. Even though we got six episodes of her, we were robbed of another four. I'm just trying to imagine Arf doing like some of the challenges that are coming up. Imagine Arf doing the, the final bottle challenge, just wading through the water. <laughs> she definitely would have fallen over. So we get a rare post-departure scene, even though we've already seen the credits. As Sophie and Arf were worried that one of them would be departing, so wrote down what they both saw and exchanged it. And Sophie now has information on the future of the game. What is this, a Marvel film we have scenes after the credits now? Yeah. I, I love that she brags like trading information on the mole is a brand new idea. I mean, next you're going to be telling me, you know, Survivor's revolutionized alliances and the game is evolving. It's against the spirit of the game. I mean, if Amazing Race Canada has taught us anything, it's deeply un-Canadian to share any information with anyone and not run your own game. It's so un-Canadian. So, next time, wind farms that have been seen before, Tico switches off the jabbering, Susan follows a horse, and there is a mysterious question mark that will enter the game. I really like next episode. I remember quite a lot about next episode. If you really like it, I wonder if it's that means Tico goes off. Maybe, maybe not. The challenges next episode are quite fun. Well, two of them are fun. And one final thing that I haven't mentioned, but I have meant to mention all season long, is there was a clip from Moltalk at the end. And I don't think we've really touched on the impact of Moltalk, because Moltalk, I think, started during South Africa the year before, hosted by Aryan, aka Dutch John Oliver. And this week's clip actually has Aryan saying that it features both Tim and Manuel from Japan, which is kind of why I'm flagging it. But Moltalk started as an online show only, as part of basically the we just want to keep Aryan on side thing. And then has evolved into being its own proper sideshow on the side channel and stuff. But Aryan actually created it. Aryan is entirely responsible for Moltalk being a thing. And who hosts it now? I don't know. It's, it's gone through about four or five different hosts. Last I heard, it was two people from the Dominican Republic season. Neither of whom made particular impact on me, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> like the rest of that season. Yeah, I mean, once Aryan left, my interest in Moltalk went rapidly downhill, but Rick used to host it as well. Rick hosted it before he did the main show. So do we need to eulogise off anymore? I think we eulogised her throughout this podcast. We've got three more weeks to eulogise her. God, yeah, we'll be talking more about her anyway, but she's a massive loss to the season, and if somehow producers are listening, please bring her back for any sort of Renaissance-style season you're going to do again, because... She would be amazing. And, you know, make her the mole this time. Give us nine episodes of Arf, please. 
And if you're not going to do that, make her the new host of Mole Talk, and then we'll cover that as well. Yeah, just give us more half content. That's all we're asking for. Have you guys got anything else you want to say? Nope, I guess, do I just say my suspects really quick? Yeah, let's do some suspects. So, number one was off. So, for the second time this season, I lose my number one suspect. Then it's Jan Willem. Then it's Susan. Then it's Freak. Then it's Sophie. I had Freak. I kept shuffling Freak throughout the episode. Still can't get a read on Freak. And as you well know, as I said earlier, Arf was my number one suspect for the first six weeks of this season. However, now that she's gone, maybe I refocus on the person who ends up being the mole. Well, now, now you're up Ship Creek without a paddle. Oh, I'm sorry, a rudder. Have you at least got the boat? The good thing is, thanks to Arf, we now know that the rudder just goes on the side of the boat. It doesn't go at the back. We use the most erect rudder, right? Yeah, we're looking for erect rudders here. <laughs> Nobody wants a floppy rudder. On that note, thank you for listening to our VS Mall 2014 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for an old mall in Hong Kong and the Philippines. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are TV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Logs Quirky, Bindles is the Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Helmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring. Jan Willem in the streets, Frank in the sheets. You're so proud of yourself for that one, aren't you? Yep. <laughs>